What is happening, everybody? Thank you for joining us again on another adventure in podcasting. On today's episode, we are going to talk about an arcade game that doesn't get the love that it should. So, join me and my special guest as we talk about this pretty wonderful game. So, let's get into it. Let's grab life by the controller. Ladies and gentlemen, you have heard me discuss the history of gaming and the the savior that is Nintendo. You've heard me talk about all this stuff with our guest today. Our guest is none other than the one, the only, Ultra Gold Man. What is happening? Oh, man. What is going on? It seems like it's been forever since I've been on here. It has been. It's It's been insane lately. Yeah, yeah. You know how it goes. With everything that's been going on with uh, kids going back to school and all that stuff. Yeah, this, this is, it's, it's an insane time of year. It really is, especially for parents and younger people don't understand the stress of sending kids back to school. That's true. Uh, You know, clothes shopping is something that for you and I going out and picking out a shirt, it's simple. But Mm -hmm. getting something for a preteen or a teen that, you know, they're their friends are going to think it's cool, it's hot, it's trendy, whatever. That's hell on parents. It really is. Oh my goodness. It's a good thing we have gaming to ease the tension. Otherwise, I would have gone insane. <laughs> I agree. So, let's discuss it. What have you been playing lately? Oh, lately, um, a couple days ago, I went on Instagram Live and... Yeah, I, I like. I was looking for you know some arcade games to play on my retro engine, and the game that I came across is a game called Sixty Fourth Street, a detective story, which is a beat 'em up game. We all know you love your beat 'em ups. Beat 'em ups are what make people our age into the gaming machines that we really are. Oh, yeah, it's just lots of uh, button mashing fun and being able just to... Anytime you see a group, bunch of enemies on screen, you can just go on there and knock them all out, throw them, all that fun stuff. It's it's enjoyable. So you played this game on Instagram Live. I did. Did you have very many people reacting to it? Um, I had some who they know that I like to play beat them up games and they were looking like hey what's this that type of thing and i told people i think it's called 64th street a detective story it was one of those games that it only made it 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 never made it to any consoles or anything like that It was just an arcade game i had never heard about it until you and i were talking about what we needed to do an episode on and this episode is about 64th Street, a detective story, a game that deserves some recognition. Because this is a fun game. It is. Now, how did you come to find out about this game? Because like you said, it wasn't released on a home console. 
It was arcade exclusive. It's made by uh, Jalico. Jalico, yes. Which has a weird background story in itself. Um, for some people who may not know, Jalico, I knew them mostly um, for um, their series, the baseball game series, Bases Load, is what I've always known them for. See, and I knew them for Rival Turf. Oh, yeah, now Rival Turf, that's, um, as we talk about, as we talk about 64th Street, Rival Turf was actually kind of important because of the series that it is part of. Exactly. Now, before we get too much into the game, I want to ask you a question. How much do you know about Jellico? Um, outside of, um, the beat 'em up series that we're gonna get into, or you know, that we're gonna that you know that we're probably gonna bring up during this. I, and like I said, in the bases loaded series, I don't know much about them. They are weird because they did video games, they did arcade cabinets, they did mm-hmm. amusement park parts. And they did aquarium equipment. Uh, so they've been, uh, sounds like they've, they've been a pretty big cog in the entertainment wheel. Yeah, and, and one form or another, sadly, they couldn't keep up with the gaming market. And in 2014, they went bankrupt. And they finally, like, closed everything. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. They, they, they took the same fate that a lot of these... Um, third-party video game manufacturers did. Yeah, which is sad because if if you look them up, they have some great titles. They really do. Uh, but, get back into what we're talking to. So, Final Fight hit the arcades in 1989. Right. And beat-em-ups, you know, Double Dragon, Final Fight, stuff like that took arcades by storm. Everybody had a beat em up. Alien vs. Predator, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Cowboys of Mumesa. And now we have something about detectives. And this is set in the 30s? Yep, in the year 1939, I want to say. And I mean, it seems simple. Like, you'd think that a lot of different developers would be like oh hey you know we should do some retro kind of old-timey depression era private detective kind of beat-em-up thing i mean it's got your standard beat-em-up story there's always a chicken ball right yeah and then this one who, who was in this one, there was there's usually a kidnapping yeah and um and, and this one the story here is that this is a rich guy's, um, a middle-aged rich, he was just called a middle-aged rich guy, and it was his daughter who was kidnapped by, um, by, by a gang and their leader. And so you have your, uh, your heroes, Rick and Alan, and it's up to them to, to save this girl. I enjoyed this game to a point though I'm, I'm gonna get into my couple of dislikes 
th- this game's your typical side scroller beat 'em up. Right. There's great character sprites. The colors are fantastic. It is a visually gorgeous game. I mean, really, for ninety-one, it is a game that you need to find. It, if you, you know, add stuff to your retro engine, if you've got a Raspberry Pi modded Xbox, modded PSP, whatever, see if you can find this game. Seriously, definitely, definitely look for this game. Um, and the cool thing is, is that whenever the the girl gets kidnapped, the way that they're able to try to find her is that Rick and Allen are looking at a newspaper that are that's talking about her being kidnapped, and they found some code during the class and the classifieds that matched the writing of the kidnappers from their letter from their ransom letter. And to me, that's brilliant. I mean, that is a different take on a beat 'em up. I mean, like we said. So many kidnappings of women that start off these beat em ups. I mean, there's no love interest here between the main protagonists, which is kind of different. They're your, I don't know if you want to call him a customer. I mean, essentially, that's what he is the middle aged white guy or middle aged rich guy. Uh, Against the gang, I think they call themselves the Legacy Gang. Yeah. uh, I, I think they call themselves the Legacy Organization. Yeah, Legacy Organization. If I remember right. Uh, I played this game on stream. And luckily for us, one of our friends, uh, I'm going to give him a shout out right now, Flugo13 on Instagram or on uh, Twitch. He has this on his arcade. And because he watched my stream, he's excited to try it out. Uh, A lot of... A lot of the the stuff that you can find, I've got this on my CoinOp 6 on my modded Xbox. And that's how I was able to play it. And like I said, I've, I've got pros and cons of this game. Let's get into some of the pros. I found it stumbling across, um, you know me, I'll go and look up some beat-em-ups from different game manufacturers, maybe on YouTube. And I think I stumbled across this while looking for information on another game. Do you remember what game uh, led you down the rabbit hole to find this one? Um, no, I don't. I'm not even sure. There's just, this has happened, you know, for me so many times where I'll find one game looking for another game, and this was one of those rabbit hole finds. How many times have you played this game? Uh, let's see. Probably four or five times. Four or five. So it's definitely worth it to you to come back to it. And I can tell you it's worth it for me. I didn't beat it. I didn't have a chance. Uh, I came close uh, watching your, your playthrough on Instagram Live. I I came real close. I got to the point where you were fighting the pirate and the wrestler guys at the same time. Yeah, that was, um, that's, that's like near the end. That's part of, of course, what's in a lot of beat em ups, the boss rush. Yeah. That they have the freaking the gauntlet of, the, of a game. Yeah. Where they send the bosses from uh, the different levels. Oh man, you didn't finish it. Oh, you had to finish it for this one. 
Oh, I I haven't had a chance, but I'm excited because that gives me a chance to go back and play it again. A, a reason to go back and play it again. And that's the reason why I didn't find time today. I mean, I, I watched your playthrough. I, I've seen it. I've experienced some of it. But you've always got to have a reason to come back. And it, as gamers, I, I don't want to call us professional gamers, but, I mean, we do streams, we do podcasts, we do... You know, that Instagram life where we discuss this kind of stuff. I wanted to have a reason to not just complete it and then be done and move on. If that even makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. But, so, what did you think of, like, the controls themselves? Uh, the controls themselves, I thought that they were pretty good, pretty standard controls. I thought the controls were good. I thought the hit detection was pretty good. Like, the hit detection wasn't any of that strange off-kilter hit detection where you clearly hit them, but the system's not, you know, with the operating system's not met, not um, catching it or, not as, or, you know, getting the hit detection down. And they like, no, the hit detection is there, and... Uh, the game, like you said, it's a visually beautiful game. It has great music, too. See, and that's one of my my cons about it, is I think the sound of it, the, the music was good, but to me, for being an arcade game, it, it could have been fuller. To me, it sounded like the like early 2000s when you got a cell phone. And they had all these great MIDI ringtones. And you look back and you're like, well, that sucked. Just because it's not as full as it could be. It wasn't, to me, it didn't seem as full as the, the sound coming out of it. Like a Genesis. Like the, the music on Sonic the Hedgehog is iconic because there's multi-layers. And to me... This didn't seem as extravagant as it could have been. Now, this may have also been... Um, you also got to look at it as this was probably one of Jalica's first attempts in that genre. So they probably didn't know what they had yet. I don't think they knew what they had yet. Say, And that's a good possibility. And like I said, I mean, I'm not holding that against the game. That's just one of the, the very few cons that I have on this game. Anytime I play a game, especially if I'm going to talk about it, I, you know, lay out my pros, lay out my cons. Can I really get behind this game and not that my endorsement means much, but tell people to play it? In this game, I definitely can. So we've got got gorgeous backgrounds. Gorgeous backgrounds. Uh, you can throw your enemies into things in the backgrounds, like cars, right. cars, uh, portholes uh, in a ship. Yeah, and that's something that you don't see in very many games. I mean, of course, you've got garbage cans, stacks of tires, stuff like that. that there's power ups, or not power ups, but like weapons or there's health a power items. Up some of them too. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you've got that. In like Final Fight, everything, Ninja Turtles, uh, 
but I don't recall a game where, you know, there can be a car parked on the street and you can throw a bad guy into the car. And break the car and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, this is this was different. Um I liked how the characters were dressed too, like how they had Alan dressed and how they had Rick dressed. Like um Rick who's the main detective there with the with the um the dress shirt. Was it the purple dress shirt and the orange pants or do I got it backward? I think that was what it was. Yeah, I I actually think you're right. Um orange pants, like blue shoes, and then like a fuchsia purpley uh, shirt and then like a golden yellow tie. A golden yellow tie. And then um and then his sidekick and his sidekick, um Alan is supposed to be like a nineteen year old hothead who he turned straight. And you could tell that he looked like a thirties street you know, like a thirties street kid. He had on the jeans and the and the white shirt and he was muscular. He had on the, the denim vest and the hat, you know, and his uh and the and the hat along with it, like it was it was he was a pretty cool looking character. Yeah, he looked like a newsie, grown up. Like you could tell that he'd spent some time on the streets. It's kind of hardened him a little bit, but he he wants social justice. Like he wants to make a difference. He's he's matured in that sense, and and you can honestly take that away in the game, which is weird saying that you can actually sense that from this game. Well, yeah, and you can. You can sense, like, what his character was supposed to be. As a, as a kid who was, you know, probably from the time he was 13, 14, up until he was 18, 19, he was doing all sorts of things he wasn't supposed to be doing until uh, this guy, Rick, saved him and decided to take him under his wing. What would you say, and I, I know that we're jumping all over the place here because that's how we do it. What would you say is one of your favorite things about this game? Um, you know what I liked? I liked how they had the little cut scenes with the music from those old, um, that you used to maybe see like an old 60s and 70s TV shows. Like on Batman, when it, went, when it cut from scene to scene, it had the little music. And oh, a little definitely. thing to make it look, yeah, to make it look like time had gone by, like the little speed thing, like da 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 da. Yeah, and exactly. It, and There's no here. better way to say it than that. Yeah, like whenever you finish one scene, that music would play, and it would show like the blue and white streaks on the screen to show you, hey, look, time has passed. See, before it's you get funny. To the next part, because I think of that is something you'd see in anime, like in Pokemon, or I mean, I know a lot of people don't think of Pokemon as being like hardcore anime or anything, but it's that kind of like flashy, just cool colors that catches your attention. Yeah, the eye-catching scene jump stuff, it it was always one of those cool things like it's nice to see in TV shows all the time. it, It was a classic move. I said, hey, this is pretty cool. Who, out of the two main characters, would you say is your favorite? You know what? I liked um, I liked the main detective, Rick. He reminded me of a 1930s Mike Hagar. 
as I like playing the game, I could tell from some of the characters and the sprites that they were fighting. I could tell that Jellico definitely saw Final Fight and said, "Hey, we can make a game like this." It's funny that you say that because I I think honestly I mentioned that while I was playing it. Like you could definitely tell the influence and not just from Final Fight. Uh, some of the characters, uh, there's a guy wearing like knee-high boots, jeans, a vest, and a do-rag. And he definitely, definitely looks like something straight out of Final Fight or even Streets yeah. of Rage. Now, it and, was it, that, that was the guy I was talking about, who where I said, hey, isn't he in Final Fight? <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know exactly when when this game came out. I, I could only find the fact that it came out in 1991. Yeah, 1991. Uh, Streets of Rage came out in 91. Yeah, yeah, Streets of Rage came out in 91. I think that it got more of its inspiration just from how Rick looks like Mike Hagar and all that. I think that it, it came more from Final Fight. I mean, Streets of Rage was inspired by Final Fight, so... Well, and, and that's kind of what I'm getting to, is Final Fight made a huge lasting impression. I mean, you can still find Final Fight characters in modern games, like Street Fighter. Right. And Streets of Rage 4 is coming out. I don't know when, but I'm excited for that. I definitely am. I mean, there is a lasting legacy with beat-em-ups and if you are into them at all seriously find this game um who was your least favorite boss oh that jerk that that boss in level two and i got i got the names of all the bosses here captain hook oh my gosh the, the pirate guy. guy how did like, you defeat him oh well, what you got to do is you got to catch him before he starts spinning. Because once he starts spinning, he's hard to stop. Because every time I, every time he would start spinning, he'd knock me out. As soon as you get up, he's already spinning and coming towards you. If you can stop him before he begins to spin, he can be pretty easy. I had to corner him and keep doing the jump kick. Each time he would get up, I'd hit him with a jump kick. And I just kept doing that until all of his energy depleted. And how weird is that, that you can't use really special moves, you can't use regular attacks, you can't pick them up and throw them, you have to use a jump kick. Pretty much an entire boss fight. Well, yeah, that's how I beat them. Now, I've also seen, I've also looked at some videos online to see how other people have beaten them. The other thing to do is, if you can catch him when he first comes on and don't even let him start spinning, if you can get the right distance and the right hit detection, some punch and kick combos will take him out to where each time he gets up, you're already hitting him with those punches. Really? See, I didn't know that. I I went into it completely blind. and I did too. I, I freaking hated the way that all of my gaming experience told me, you know, back him in a corner and just punch the crap out of him. Or, you know, if, if he comes at you, throw a special move and, you know, 
you, you'll catch him. That really doesn't happen with him. I, I beat him by jump kicks, just like you did. And I, I was flabbergasted that it was that easy, yet it took me longer than it should have to realize, hey, this isn't your standard beat-em-up boss. Right. See, and that that's my only other con, is that boss. Just because, I mean, he looks cool. He's got a peg leg that he uses to spin on. And he's mm-hmm. got the hook, and I mean, he definitely looks like your stereotypical pirate. But, holy crap. To seriously, just spend the entire boss battle, like, kicking him so he can't spin attack you was crazy to me. Yeah, and this game had some interesting bosses. The first level had a street guy, in the, and it also had a dude with a, you know, that had that giant hammer or mallet that if you were in the vicinity when he swung that mallet and it hit the ground, you got knocked down, so you had to jump each time he swung his mallet. Which I liked. I enjoyed that because it reminded me, uh, I'm going to bring it up again, DuckTales, where there's a couple of bosses in there, uh, like the uh, abominable snowman where jumps up high, throws a fit, lands down and then kind of knocks you around and then he can, you know, attack you while you're defenseless. But I mean, to see that in a beat him up like that, to me, that was genius. Oh yeah. And then, um, I mean, some of these bosses, like they had uh, the fat brothers, which they looked like two fat wrestlers. That there were those the giant, and they looked like they were they looked like fat wrestlers, but they both had gray hair. Yeah, like old timey tugboat or havoc. Yeah, they would do, and they would do those flips and all that stuff. They were fun opponents. And then there's one character, there's one boss called Iron Man, and they had a Kabuki fighter. They had some, like all the bosses on this game were interesting. They really were, and. I mean, to throw back into some of the other characters, they had a guy in it that looks like the Ultimate Warrior. Which, I mean, he's not like a boss. He's more like a, a mini-boss. Right, right. Um, the, you know, he was the one sub-boss with the... I, he looked like some of these characters I've said, you guys don't look like you're from the 1930s. Well, and that's the crazy thing about this game, is... It's set in the 1930s, but this legacy organization, I don't know if they had a a DeLorean and they could travel in time, but the costumes were just insane. I mean, you've got guys that look like they're in a biker gang, like that guy in uh, knee-high boots, jeans, the bass, the Mm do-rag. I mean, that's not your your typical Depression-era thug. Uh, you've got guys that look like they're background dancers in an MC Hammer music video. Right, and uh, you got guys that look like thugs straight up from the 80s and straight up from the 90s. Exactly. This game has everything. It is bonkers. Uh, the levels were interesting. Um, they had a, some of the things that you would see in a beat-em-up, whether it was fighting on a train and... Yeah, they had the one level where you're fighting these guys on a train and they keep coming through this barrier. Yeah, the the little 
flat. I don't know what you want to call it. Flat panel, like yeah, train it was car. Flat, you know, it was on a train car, a little flat, you know, a little flatbed on the train car. It runs these people through. over and it knocks them onto it and then they get up and they fight you. That... Yeah, showing so, so no, no word for the wear after getting hit by a train. They're able to get up and fight. Exactly. I mean, to be able to stand up without having shins anymore. <laughs> that that was fun. Uh, fighting on a ship where, you know, you actually board this. I don't know if it's a cargo ship or a, a cruise liner or whatever. But you see your character walk up the stairs. And the next thing you know, you're fighting, throwing bad guys into portholes. And that's right. where the, the pirate's the boss of. it. It's fun. You don't see this kind of stuff. I mean, you really have no reason to anywhere else because a lot of it's like modern day stuff. But this is great. Uh, fighting inside a blimp. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, that's near, and that's the end of the game right there. You were so close to getting at the end. Now you got to go back and finish it. Because I wanted to talk about the final boss that's inside that blimp. Well, let's let's talk about him. Okay, now what do we know about bo- final bosses in these beat 'em ups? Usually, it's some guy with a gun. Yeah, usually it's some guy like I want to say the stereotypical guy is sitting behind you know a solid oak desk, really fancy, maybe in a wheelchair, pretending like he can't walk or or move or anything. Right, like on Final Fight. Exactly. Um, or like in Streets of Rage, you know what I mean? Yeah, the, the guy's like, you know, sitting at a desk and he's ready to kick ass. And yeah, he's got an or double dragon with Willie where you you beat up the guys before me and you start to see Willie come from out from behind wherever he is and he comes out with his gun. Um, this character, the final boss, um, the legacy leader, he comes out, he has a group of thugs with him. Meanwhile, his weapon isn't a gun. He has a a pull cue. Really? Yeah. That's a, and it, it's like the weakest weapon ever. It's a guy in a suit coming at you with a pull cue. Well, have you seen the movie Pool Hall Junkies by chance? I haven't. It is an amazing movie. Uh, it has... The guy that played Lex Luthor from Smallville in it. Uh, Michael uh, Rosenbaum. Yeah, M- Michael Rosenbaum. And uh, he's not a main movie. character in it, but he's in it. And the reason why I love this movie so much is it has Christopher Walken in it. And he's kind of like this mentor. And it has Ricky Schroeder in it. And the main character from gets Silver beat Star. up. It, exactly. I mean, heavy dose of nostalgia in this movie. But the main character gets the crap beat out of him with a pool cue. And so I've seen what they can do when it's the right pool cue. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, those sticks are pretty heavy. You can hurt somebody with them. As a guy that played a lot of pool growing up, yeah, this local boys and girls club. I'm like, yeah, these, I'm like, those things can hurt. With this guy, I expected him to have more than a pool cue. I was like, why doesn't he have a gun? Uh, it's interesting because you know you spend most of the game fighting these rough bosses, and so I'm expecting some guy with a gun. I'm expecting a robot, something like that. No, just a guy with a 
with a pole cue that when you knock him down, he actually drops it like a character would drop any other weapon. Really? Yes, like you can pick it up and everything. Does it do a lot of damage when you beat him with it? No. Not any more damage than hitting somebody with like a lead pipe. In a beat-em-up game. Well, that in itself is unique for a beat-em-up. It is. Because, like, really... in, in Final Fight, you can beat the guy, he never drops his gun. So I I would have honestly assumed that this guy's never without his weapon. Right, like, um, in Streets of Rage, in the Streets of Rage series, Mr. X, you can knock him down as many times as you want, but he never loses his machine gun. Or Willie never loses his machine gun in Double Dragon. You can just, you, just, you, can, you can beat the crap out of the guy, but he's not going to lose his primary weapon. Yet, in this one, they chose to go a different route. They did. Hey, I mean, I think it was interesting. The story of a detective and his sidekick taking justice into their own hands by beating guys up, where I don't know if the police department, I don't know if their hands are tied or what in a lot of these situations. Yeah, and that's one of the funny things is... I don't think from my limited playthrough that, I mean, it never mentioned corrupt cops, never mentioned, you know, the legacy organization controlling the city that way, but it was these two guys that just wanted to go out and save this girl. And that's how it used to be in these beat-em-up games. It was all about taking matters into your own hands, whether you were doing it on behalf of you know, uh, rich guys, you know, for a rich guy's child or the mayor's kid or something like that. Or one of the character's sisters. There was always um, a, a situation where you had to do it yourself. And my question is, why in the world would an enemy organization put secret codes in newspapers to let people know where their hideout is? It's like they wanted to be found. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because I actually thought about that. What if it's like the Foot Clan? And, I mean, you look at the the first and second Ninja Turtles movie and they're recruiting. Right. I mean, it's a way to get people to come join your organization so you can have that much more power. But without taking out a one ad saying, hey, we're looking for thugs. We're looking for henchmen. Right, right. You'll have some code in there of uh, how you get, how you might want to get people in. Oh, you're interested? We have an advertisement that you'll see in the paper. Just read it. You'll know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And with this game, and, and like I said, with the look of it and everything, I thought that Jalico did a good time. There's a lot, if you look at a lot of beat-em-ups from that era, there are some that they don't look visually as good. No, I mean, one, these sprites are in-depth. I mean, there's... It's clean. It, it's very clean. I mean, there's... There's a lot of detail to these people. I mean, pants are wrinkled, shirts are, you know, nice and clean, but the the, the way that Rick's shirt... I mean, you could tell that he's been out pummeling 
but he probably, you know, has it dry cleaned. Right, right. Now, my one question about this game, after I was done playing and I said, hey, this was a great job, Jalica. How come you never gave us, and how come the the arcade game was never ported to any systems? How come they never ported it to Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis or anything at the time, or, you know, one of the 16-bit systems at the time? I'm not sure what's the, but when it seems like they said, well, they never ported it, what Jalico did end up doing is they ended up working on a series known as the Rushing Beat series over in Japan. There were three beat-em-ups in the series, and it was pretty popular in Japan. Over in the United States, we got three games. They Americanized them, and they changed. They made all three beat-em-up games unrelated. First game was called Rival Turf. Second one was called Brawl Brothers, and the third was called Peacekeepers. If you have a Super Nintendo and you want to play these games, you can get the Jellico Brawler Pack. There's a cartridge that has all those, all three of those games on there, along with their fighting game, Tough Enough. Um, we always talk about Rival Turf because Rival Turf is a Super Nintendo game that has one of the funniest, uh, has some of the funniest box art you'll ever see. Now, or a beat 'em up game. I've never seen the box art for just Rival Turf. I've seen uh, I've seen the box art for the Brawlers pack or the the collection. Uh, one of the the game stores that I had locally uh, sadly closed their doors a couple months ago, and I kept debating whether or not I wanted to buy it. It was brand new in box. Uh, Wrapper still around it. It was thirty five bucks for the brawler pack. Yep. And then that's something because I bought it. I bought that same brawler pack. I think I got mine from Amazon for twenty. Oh wow. Yeah, it's one of those things where you can get it online. Like online, it might cost thirty, thirty five dollars. But a lot of times online, you can find it for cheaper. Like I said, I think I paid twenty for mine, and it was still in its plastic and everything. It's I said, hey, this will be a cool conversation piece. But Rival Turf, that's the beat-em-up game where it has these two, the, the two characters that are on the cover art. It looks like these two kids that came out of, like, central casting. Like, the one kid looked like he was about 12, and the other one looked like he was about 15 or 16. And they're dressed all tough, like they're the two characters on the game. I said, you guys don't look intimidating at all. No, they look like something out of Karate Kid. I just right, pulled it up or, right now. Yeah, like like it looked like I'm like, were you guys dressing up for Halloween or what? That's hilarious. Like they seriously look like they would beat up Marty McFly and steal his lunch money. Right, but but I don't think, but they don't look like anybody that Marty McFly would have a problem with. He, I was like, you guys look like a couple of guys that the toughest dudes could just beat you up by themselves yeah beat up both of them right right and and uh, but the characters the characters from 64th street they would never they would only be seen again in one other game it was they were cameo characters in this space shooter called from jalica called chimera beast 
which it's an arcade game, and I want to say it was ported to the Super Nintendo. Uh, from what I have found, or, it or wasn't I think it might have just made a Super Famicom. Yeah, fair, yeah, it was a Super Famicom game, and only meaning it only made it to Japan. Yeah. Which do you have that game on your retro engine? I don't. I checked to see. I don't think I have that one, but I'll probably get it just so I can see if I can see their camera because they're only they're like little tiny, they're like little specks. But when you look at them, anybody that knows those games can say, "Oh, those are the guys from Sixty Fourth Street." Well, and that's if you know what Sixty Fourth Street is. Right. There's a lot of people that probably played that game and have no idea who those guys are from. See, and up until you and I started talking about this, I would have had no idea. But I am seriously so glad that it was on my CoinOps emulator. Yeah, it's one of those games where I would tell anybody, if you're looking for a good beat-em-up, this is one to, to check out because it's a, it's a beat-em-up game that not a lot of people had the opportunity to play. Or it might be one of those games where after you play a round or two, you might say, hey, I remember playing this at an arcade when I was a kid or at a barber shop or a pizza shop. There's a, there's something when I was when you go on YouTube and you look at the comments and you see people talk about it. It seems like there were a lot of people that remembered this game. That's crazy. It makes me wish I would have had more than just the arcade in the gas station across the street from my house. The uh, The limited arcade games that they had my pizza hut uh, i guess i was lucky because i had the gas station or you know i had the arcade at, at, at the at the mall we had our own arcade place called saturn 2 video games in downtown mckeesport in mckeesport pennsylvania where i grew up at yeah there was like so many places and there were tons of arcade cabinets and it was those places that made me, when it came time to look for games to add to my retro engine, I wanted to add some arcade games. I just imagined myself being back in that arcade downtown or that arcade in the mall and saying, hey, what games did I play in there? And I would go from there to look for games. And I look up the publishers of these games and I'm like, let's see what other arcade games they have. That's how you dig. That's how you get down rabbit holes to where you find games that maybe you never played, games that have been long forgotten. See, and by the time I was of age to, like, actually drive to an arcade, because the mall that we had, it seemed forever away from my house. And, I mean, now that I can drive, I'm, that sounds like I just barely got my license, but, <laughs> I mean, now that I'm a parent, I can understand how long car rides feel for kids. But, I mean, realistically the mall that I had access to that had a really cool arcade was about 16 minutes away from my house. Yeah, I was lucky. My, uh, the mall that I used to go to, it sadly just shut down last year. And oh, it's, about a ten, it's about a 10-minute drive from my house. It was Century 3 Mall. It was one of our uh, very popular malls in the area. But... What happened was when, when things changed with the times, the issue is that they didn't, and it led to their demise. And I think that's the way a lot of malls are going. And right now, I don't see a lot of games that I think kids are interested in in the 
you know few arcades that we have left. I mean, we have yeah, the, the nickel arcades that, yeah, that here, are popular. Take mm-hmm. take your kids, introduce them to the games that you played growing up. But we don't have like uh, we got those two, Luigi's like, Mansion and and games like that. Uh, we don't have Mario Kart. Where I've seen people on Instagram post that they have it at their arcades. Luckily, there's places like Dave and Buster's. Uh, yeah, you have Dave and Buster's. You still I mean, have Chuck E. Cheese and things like that. See, we don't but, have Chuck E. Cheese here. Wow, is Utah that backwards? Yeah, well, <laughs> it they they sold the building and it's now a place called Cafe Rio. It has amazing, uh, expansive, like fast food mexican stuff but <laughs> that's just funny and i'm just thinking of like how a kid's place turned into an expensive restaurant in, in its place yeah like 11 bucks for a smothered burrito i mean it's oh, good but it's not go to taco bell and <laughs> it, now um but yeah what i was saying is is that you don't see arcades around that much anymore because outside of you know some arcades or places that They'll have old arcade cabinets from like the eighties and the nineties, but you don't see newer arc because kids don't kids don't go out anymore and pump quarters into machines. The whole coin op system died such a long time ago once console gaming got caught up with arcade gaming. Exactly. Which is kind of a shame because console gaming now as soon as I graduated from beat-em-ups i was into the shooters i was into time crisis i was into uh one of my favorite Virtual arcade time, games house of the dead and yeah I, I was gonna say carn evil i mean those games you don't get that kind of experience on a home console i mean they have ways that you can i know that back in the original playstation days you could get uh time crisis and they had a pedal that you could step on and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at my gun right now with the reload button on the side and the button for grenades i mean home consoles brought home a lot of cool stuff but there's still so much stuff that is missing meeting yeah. up with your friends and teaming up and beating yeah, a game. Beating a game, yeah. Like, I remember I beat, because uh, Chuck E. Cheese, I did it with a few games. The Simpsons beat em up game. Uh, Jurassic Park, the shooter, where it seemed like you were on the truck and all that, and there were dinosaurs chasing after you, and you had to take them out that way. It was, that stuff was always, you know, fun to do. But now what happens is, is that it's just we're in a different time to where People, you know, I still see arcades at the other mall that's out by me, Monroeville Mall, which is about maybe 15, 20 minutes away. I'm like, they have an arcade, but they just don't have as many cabinets as they used to. Because like we said, it's just that people just aren't into it anymore. They're sitting there like, why would I pump quarters into something that I might already have at home for free? Yeah, or that I could possibly play on my mobile device. Right, or I could play this game on my mobile device. Like, the one thing about, for me, I used to like arcades because since I was in the beat-em-up games, and especially in the fighting games, playing a game in the arcade was like a preview of you waiting for that game to come out and get ported to your Genesis or to your Super Nintendo. And this was your way of playing it 
before you can have it for yourself for your system. Like it was like having it was like having its own preview. Like I remember when I played NBA Jams or NFL Blitz, you know, especially NFL Blitz when it came out back in high school. I'm like, man, I can't wait for this to come out for a video game system. And then when I got a Nintendo 64 for Christmas. Uh, back in 1998, NFL Blitz was the first one of the first games that I got along with it because my dad saw how much I loved the arcade version of it. See, and another reason why I loved arcade games is not only did it give you a preview of things to come, but it gave you hope that certain games would come out on your console. There were right. plenty of games that I enjoyed in the arcade, but I never saw a home release for them. Oh, there's yeah, there were there were plenty that never that never that you can only that you can still to this day only play it in an arcade. And then there are some that the arcade game was great, but when it got ported to the system, the port wasn't as good. Like. When you look at certain games with the rosy colored glasses, the rose colored glasses for their ports, like Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja, the arcade game is awesome. But now, when I played a Nintendo port of Bad Dudes, I'm like, it's still a good game, but it's definitely not as good as its arcade counterpart. Well, and then you get games like Contra, where the arcade was fun, but the the Nintendo version blew the arcade game out of the water right and it gave and and it it, it helped make it it helped make it a legendary iconic game where the yeah, where the port is more iconic than the arcade version that does happen sometimes especially with ninja turtles 2 oh could you stop that everybody knows the <laughs> arcade version is better i'm never gonna stop it and you know that <laughs> i know i know you won't it's like, let it go. Look, you've done multiple polls trying to rig it in your favor, and it hasn't worked out for you. Hey, no, the last one ended up being uh, 56 to 44% in favor of the arcade. That is pretty freaking close. Uh, but yeah, but you rigged it. <laughs> no, I didn't even get a chance to vote in it. If, if I would have voted in it, it would have been straight up 50-50. Uh, uh, see, trying to cook those numbers. I'll, I I didn't get a chance to, but I wish I would have just to be able to say, no, nope, it's 50-50, bruh. <laughs> well, uh, I, I started doing something uh, on, on the Bloodstained episode, uh, something that I have taken from JP's Retro Game Night. Uh, what would you rate this game? Like, what would you give it, you know, like... Uh, Five out of five tires, you know, stacked up with a hidden um, hidden weapon underneath. I'd say maybe a four out of five. It's because no game is perfect. Yeah, I, I'd probably give it a four out of five. I think the folks at Jalico did a good job. I think if they want to really do something, they should try to see if whoever owns the rights to Jalico's gaming library. They should try to maybe see about putting this game on either maybe creating their own beat 'em up bundle for the you know for like PlayStation Four and Xbox and the Switch, and maybe adding this game as an option along with their Russian beat games. 
I'd say why not? Or maybe make it it's or maybe have it be a choice by itself that you can get. You know, we see, you know, when you go into the PlayStation store, they got tons of uh, arcade games from when we were kids that are available that you can buy for six or seven dollars. I think that they should try to see about making this a game that's available. Now, why not allow a new generation of people to experience that beat-em-up? Well, all of the company's video games are now owned by City Connection. So, City Connection, make it happen. Listening, which we all know that they listen faithfully to Grab Definitely. Life by the controller. So, seriously, you guys have rights to so many video games. Uh, Bases is loaded, Brawl Brothers, uh, Cy Battler, Dragon Seeds. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. Naughty Boy. They can they can create their they, and they have enough arcade games that they can do an arcade bundle or an arcade vault or like I said or just release the games individually in the PlayStation Store. Somebody will buy them. Yeah, Taito has uh, Legends One and Two that that you can pick up. Uh, mine are on the PlayStation Two. Or the PlayStation Two. Yeah. Y- you don't hear about Taito anymore. I mean, they're the uh, creative geniuses behind Growl. They sure which, are. Which I will always talk about, thanks to Peter Graphic. But, I mean... If they want... I mean, that's one of the things where a lot of these companies, they can do things like that where they maybe put out or maybe make arcade games available in these stores. Like I said, PlayStation Store, Switch, Xbox... And it, it's just, it would just be a good way. And you already own the, the game, so it would be all profit. Exactly. They are sitting on games on that they're mine. not using. Why not put sitting them out on a there? Gold mine. Yeah, yeah, you're sitting on the gold mine. You have all these arcade games. I'd say, hey, I don't know what I need to do, PlayStation, or, you know, all these other guys. I see that you have Neo Geo games and Capcom games and SNK games. How about... Um, you let us put some of our games on here for people to be able to purchase. And retro gaming is huge right now, bigger than it's ever been. Why not get in on it? Definitely. Well, I, I'm i straight up going to give this game 4 out of 5. Uh, like I said, my only two cons were that stupid pirate boss, just because I, I couldn't treat it like a regular beat-em-up boss. I, I had to actually think of a winning strategy and go through, not just on pure brute strength. Uh, and then the the music was great. Well, no, the music was good, but it wasn't great to me because it seemed like it only had like one or two layers when it should have had maybe four to six just to give it that fuller sound so you were more immersed in this game because... This game does grab you and pull you into the world that is created. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we wrap up by telling our listeners how they can find you? All right. If you want to find me, my name on everything, whether it's on PlayStation Network, my name on um, Instagram, Twitter. Just, you can follow me under the name Ultra Golden Ant. I'm a very responsive if you ask questions you see that i will reply back 
My page is what I like to call a, a ball of nostalgia. I post, whether I'm posting about old video games, uh, every Thursday I like to do a throwback Thursday post where I talk, where I post about maybe old movies or old TV shows. Uh, we have the throwback Thursday, a retro game of the week. I'm also known for my, uh, for my memes because I post a lot of good ones. I'm, I don't have any chill. So I uh, make a lot of people mad. I uh, make a lot of people laugh. I might make some people kind of angry. I'm shocked <laughs> that I haven't been. I'm shocked at some from with some of the things that I've posted that I haven't been reported by anybody. It has happened before, but it hasn't happened in a few years. Well, he's got the dankest memes that I follow. Um, just a great account. He's a great guy. That's why we have him come back. Uh, seriously show him some love he is seriously the reason why i found this game uh so many of our retro gaming community has helped to bring more games like this to the spotlight and so we are going to try to recognize uh not just the games themselves but the people who bring them to us so uh ultra gold nant seriously thank you so much for pretty much telling me that I needed to find and play this game because I really do enjoy it. And there's, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty more where that came from. Maybe, um, every once in a while, but this can be a theme, you know, uh, the coin, you know, maybe like a coin ops corner or coin, coin ops chronicles or something like that, where we talk about different arcade games that are out there that people may or may not have played. See, in, one of the reasons why I love this episode is because we're always talking home console games. Uh, we're always talking, you know, Nintendo and Super Nintendo versus Genesis. Uh, I, I still need to get more into, like, the Turbo Graphics, even the Atari Jaguar, just to kind of broaden the horizons. Uh, we're going to be talking about some Dreamcast stuff coming up. But really, we don't give arcade games enough love. Uh, they're a major part of a lot of our, our gaming history. Um, Definitely. For a lot of us, it's, it was our first love. It was our first introduction to video games. And it's a way that we, you know, built friendships. There's nothing like going to an arcade and taking your friend with you and beating Alien versus Predator. Definitely not. Final Fight. Uh, I mean, any of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games, Simpsons, The Punisher, you name it. It's great playing it, it, the cabinet by yourself. But when you have your homie next to you and you are obliterating every enemy, I mean, there's a certain kind of camaraderie that comes around with playing games with your friends. That's true. Or maybe just joining in with somebody else that might be playing that game and you have some quarters and you just want to join in and help them. Sometimes you'll make some friends that way. Or, because you talked about fighting games earlier, there's always that person that's hogging the arcade and then you put your quarter on and then you decimate him and then everybody has to wait to fight you. There's something awesome that's about true. that. Because it, it pisses off a lot of people, but in a sense it gets you you know, that kind of notoriety at your arcade, you know, you get that respect from taking down the, the big guy 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. And when when you when you took out the final boss, like in the Simpsons, when you when I beat up Rubbo Burns with some people from uh, my local boys and girls club with a Chuck E. Cheese, it was it was it was very satisfying. And we here at Grab Life by the Controller always promote the uh, togetherness that games bring. Uh, I mean, it's it's great to play all by yourself. Uh, It's one of the reasons why I love current generation consoles is because I can play games with Ultra Gold Man. I can play games with the gaming power-ups and Kurt Cade. And all, all my friends that I've met through Instagram and just have a great time share some laughs, share some stories, and it keeps that gaming legacy living on. So thank you. Thank you so much for inspiring uh, this episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and we will definitely do it again soon. All right. As always, thank you so much for having me. Hey, I'm still looking forward. I'm hoping that uh, we can eventually get that Data East episode going soon. We really need to as soon as seriously I can find uh, there's a couple games that I have on my must-have list but they've just been so beat up and I don't want a beat-up copy. I want some nice ones. want some nice clean copies. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of course uh, folks, yeah, him and I, we've been talking. We got some ideas for some shows coming down the pipeline. And I can't wait to get into them because seriously, it's going to bring back so many memories for so many people because Data East has seriously a great library of games. They do. They do. And uh, there's there's some games that a lot of people don't know were made by Data East. There's some, um, and, they, and, they, and they pretty much hit every single genre. They have platformers, they have sports games, they have fighting games. It's, they had beat em ups. They they had them all. And if you don't know who Data East is, I'm pretty certain by the time we get around to the episode and we start talking about them, you'll be like, "Holy crap! I did not know that they did that game." Right. But well, thank you so much for chatting with us. And seriously, we will do this again soon. And if anybody anybody wants to reach out, have a conversation. Either one of us, more than happy to get involved. Definitely. We could talk about anything. We could talk about this episode. Um, maybe you've played 64th Street, a detective story. Be sure to comment. Let's let's all talk about it. Oh, most definitely. We are always, always more than willing to talk about anything that we talk on the podcast. If you've got an experience, we would love to hear it because I'm just having my first experience in the game. So I want to know when your experiences began and what you thought, you know, who did you love? Who did you hate? What did you think of the music? Whatever we are here to listen. That's right. Right on. Well, peace out buddy. And we will chat again soon. All right. Well, good night. Well, that's going to wrap up tonight's episode. Want to give a special thanks to Ultra Gold Man for taking the time 
to not only share this amazing game with me, but to come on and talk about it with me. If you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to him or reach out to me. Grab Life by the Controller. Instagram, Twitch, uh, GLTBC on Twitter. We'd love to hear your stories. We'd love to have you get involved. This is what keeps us going. It is the reason why we do this. We are going to be dropping a Patreon exclusive episode within the next couple of days. So there is that to look forward to, to the people who support us financially through Patreon. Special thanks to Producer Peaches for giving me the time and the space to do this. I couldn't do it without her support. I couldn't do it without her taking care of the house while I'm down here talking about video games. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So until next time, peace, we out.